swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. You take two of three from the Yankees in the Bronx. You come home for four against a DOA Angels team, a team that has given up on this 2022 season. You've got that same Yankees team you just handled in a three-game series coming to your building following this Angels series. Things are looking up for the Mariners. And look, I would say that they're more than looking up, but I think the one thing we can say after this past week, we are here on a Thursday. It is Mariners extra innings because we do not have Mariners baseball tonight, unfortunately, to look forward to, but you got me. I think the one thing we can definitively say after this week is now it's real. This is what it's like to be in a pennant chase. This is what it's like to give a lot, a, every concerted effort possible to putting forth a playoff roster in front of our very eyes here at T-Mobile Park day in and day out. Now, obviously, injuries have have done their part in keeping that from really taking shape. We saw it earlier in the season with Mitch Hanniger going down, Kyle Lewis not joining the team until midway through the year, and then he goes down with a concussion. He's been out for a while. Ty France has had various stints on the I.L., You've got Julio Rodriguez currently on the IL. Hanniger is plotting to return soon. Once you get all those guys back, and once you look at this Mariners rotation at full strength, now with Luis Castillo intel, how can you not feel like a playoff berth or, or at least a playoff chase is is within reach? It's real now. And the move made prior to the August 2nd deadline of acquiring Luis Castillo, put it out there for all to read. Put it out there not just for you and I to read, but for the 29 other teams in Major League Baseball that this Mariners team was going to do their part in trying to make the postseason this year. Now, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, you're only going to get there as a wildcard team. The AL West race is pretty much decided already with the Astros holding a double-digit lead on the Mariners right now. And I say to that, isn't a wild card round game or games, I should say, because it's best of three now in the wild card round. Isn't that better than anything we've experienced here over the last 20 seasons prior to the 2022 season? Isn't three wild card games better than anything that we have seen here? And I get that you don't want to be a wild card team in an ideal world. You want to win the division. You want to play in the divisional round. You want to get home playoff games and have the easier road to the championship series and then to the World Series. But we're in a situation right now where beggars can't be choosers. Beggars cannot be choosers because, look, this Mariners team right now is on the verge of doing something that we haven't seen in quite some time. And I'm excited to see over the course of the next two months, August and September, where this team is and how they're able to get over this hump, to push this ball up the mountain, uh, as it were, because it has been so, so incredibly long. And you know what kind of moves help in that? 
is by going out and getting a guy like Luis Castillo, a guy who is a horse, a guy who is a top-of-the-rotation stud. The payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. He blows it past him at 99 miles an hour. Luis Castillo throws it off the plate, and it doesn't matter. Carpenter goes chasing after it. It's the third strikeout in as many innings for Luis Castillo in his Mariners' debut in New York. And after the trade came through, I was trying to jog my memory of when was the last time the Mariners had made a trade deadline acquisition of that caliber, where they said, you know what? To heck with this rebuild. We are done rebuilding. We have built. You can't build any further. We want to go for it right here, at least go to the playoffs right here. It's been so long since the Mariners have made a move like that at the trade deadline. In my lifetime, I can't remember a time where they have packaged that many prospects together to go out and get one of the very best in the game at their position, Luis Castillo being one of the game's best starting pitchers. Maybe it was when they went out and got bullpen help in 97, which obviously backfired seeing all that they gave up for three guys who just could not keep it together. Heathcliff, Sulka, Mike Timlin, Paul Spoljeric. He gave up Jose Cruz Jr. in, in the in the Timlin and Spoljeric trade. And then, as we all know, the Veritek and Derek Lowe trade in 97 for Heathcliff Slocum, obviously one of the worst that you could do. And maybe that's what makes those trades memorable is how much they blew up in the face of the Mariners. Now, this one... You know, you don't know what Noel V. Marte is going to turn into. You don't know what Edwin Arroyo is going to turn into. You don't know what Levi Stout is going to turn into or Andrew Moore. Those four guys that the Mariners gave up for Luis Castillo, you don't know. But what you do know is that Luis Castillo is a 29-year-old rotation anchor and somebody that the Mariners can absolutely depend on every fifth day and depend on in a big moment, depend on in a postseason series. You look at the options now the Mariners have – in a three-game wild card round, a wild card round where you're going to send probably your three best pitchers, or hopefully your three best pitchers, depending on how tight the race is for those wild card spots at the end of the road at the end of the season, Luis Castillo probably will get one of those starts. Robbie Ray will probably get one of those starts. Now we'll have a conversation later on with Brandon Gustafson. How does Robbie Ray get past those struggles he's had against the Houston Astros specifically this year? Because it's been couple starts in a row now where Ray has not looked like this what he was in the month of June and what he was in the month of June was probably the best pitcher in the American League. And now that that third spot, Logan Gilbert potentially could get that. He hasn't been his you know super sharp self that he was at the start of the season, but I would still say he is firmly entrenched as the third best pitcher on this Mariners roster. But you look at the question marks at the back end of the rotation. The Mariners absolutely had to do something to address the starting five. Because Marco Gonzalez right now has been uncompetitive over three of his last four starts. You've got George Kirby on an innings count. You don't know if he's going to be able to contribute a ton down the stretch, so you have to go out and get another starting pitcher in hopes that that is what can anchor this rotation down over the game over the season's toughest games. Because even though the Mariners have one of the easiest schedules the rest of the way, the situations that they will find themselves in, the scoreboard watching that they will find themselves doing throughout these games, I would imagine would make them a lot tougher than simply playing the A's, than simply playing the Tigers in the season's final series, than simply playing the Angels at various intervals. There's going to be a lot of things that will 
create havoc, that will cause chaos over the season's final couple months. But you know what helps in that <laughs> is going out and getting the very best pitcher available on the trade market, and that's exactly what the Mariners did in getting Luis Castillo, somebody that they were going after, somebody that the Rangers were going after, somebody that the Yankees were going after, somebody uh, that a lot of teams were going after, that the Mariners, yes, the Mariners were the team that outbid everyone. And you know what? Fine. Be the team that outbids every other team. Be the team that has to spend more than other teams. You know why? Because you're getting talent on your roster. The Padres, they had to outspend everybody to get Juan Soto. Do you think San Diego, before Manny Machado and before Fernando Tatis Jr., before all these trades that they've made to go acquire talent, before all those were made, do you think the Padres even registered on the minds of some of the game's very best players? I mean, yeah, it's a great city to go to, but you know what they had to do? They had to go and show that they were willing to go above and beyond to acquire talent. And I think the Padres are a team that the Mariners have kind of looked at Maybe not so much tried to mirror their process because they have really thrown caution to the wind in acquiring talent. And I mean, the Mariners have also knocked on the door of the Padres in one of those trades where they needed to acquire talent. It was the Austin Nola trade back in 2020 where they got Ty France, where they got Andres Munoz, where they got Taylor Trammell, and they got Luis Torrens. So you got to be one of those teams that has to overspend in order to get the talent that you want. I mean, look, we're going off two decades of, of no playoff berths here in Seattle, so of course that's got to happen. Of course that needs to happen. The Mariners gambled, and we're going to see whether or not it pays off. And that's the beauty of this time of year, and that's the beauty of rooting for a team that is in playoff contention. It's all about gambles this time of year. It's all about you know, rolling the dice and playing the odds and, and, and hoping that nothing comes back to bite you. The beauty of being a sports fan are those highs and those lows of, of seeing great moments and, and, and also, look, seeing things that don't work out the way that they should. Those are the things that we remember most about our fandoms of teams. And, yes, the Mariners throughout the course of their history have had more bad than good when it comes to putting together a competitive team. I, I understand the fears of, of another Eric Bedard trade. I understand the fears of, like I said, another Jason Veritek and, and Derek Lowe trade. But you know what? You don't get big hits without big swings. You don't get there without putting your neck out there for everyone to see and say, you know what? We're going to do it. And the Mariners have done that almost as much as anybody over the course of the trade deadline. Yeah, the moves that they made on deadline day didn't necessarily register a whole lot amongst Mariners fandom. But you know what did? Acquiring Luis Castillo. And you know what does register is beating the Yankees two of three immediately following the trade deadline and going into a very cushy series against a bad Angels team, a really bad Angels team, an Angels team that you have bad blood with and a team that you would love to send a message to, especially when they sent one earlier this season when they took four of five in your building, you have a chance to return that and take all four games from them in your building and really send a message that this team is one to be reckoned with. Oh, by the way, the Mariners only have two losses against teams not named the Astros since July 1st. That's that's the sign of a great team, is a team that can win 
and and pile together wins as we've seen over the course of the last month. When we return here on Extra Innings, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com, he joins me for a look at this pitching staff now that they've added Luis Castillo, also the bullpen, also really just unpack all the trade deadline moves. More to come in this hour, too. We'll hear from Jerry Depoto's conversation with Mike Salk, also Ryan Roland-Smith. He joined Bump and Stacy earlier today. Lots to get to here in Hour 1 of Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, he is Brandon Gustafson, special guest. You, you hear him all the time here on Extra Innings, and we can't thank him enough for joining me, as he always does whenever we got one of these shows on Mariners Off Night. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me in this Mariners team right now, uh, pitching, 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 especially over the course of the deadline with Luis Castillo. You have a column up on the website at cltsports.com right now about Luis Castillo. Uh, what did you see from him yesterday in his debut that that made him really effective once again against that Yankees lineup? Well, we we knew that he throws really hard, Curtis. Just looking at the numbers beforehand, but he was pumping it yesterday. I mean that that guy was touching ninety eight, ninety nine, just all throughout the outing. A lot of run on the fastball. The changeup at times really flashed. I thought the slider was was probably his best overall secondary offering yesterday. A lot of really good swings and misses, was able to backdoor it on a few guys, threw a really good one to Anthony Rizzo just off the inside corner. Definitely could tell he was a little amped up in that first uh, those first two innings there. Uh, I think he was overthrowing the fastball just a little bit, just a little juiced up, and he had the big break, obviously, getting a sixth spot from the offense off Garrett Cole in the first inning, which uh, hope Luis knows that that's not super normal around here, but <laughs> uh, just really... <laughs> Really impressive overall, and uh, the thing, one of the things that I was trying to kind of uh, um, push in that column too was like we didn't see the best version of him because the changeups his best pitch usually uh, it was it, it was good at times, but the Yankees really just didn't offer at it as much as uh, most people usually do. He had twelve swings and misses. He's usually a higher whiff rate guy than that. So uh, the best is yet to come with Luis Castillo over this next year plus that the Mariners have him, and that should be really exciting for Mariner fans. Now, with the addition of Castillo brings the question of how will they balance out this rotation now with the doubleheader? They kind of get a reprieve here over the course of of a week or so because they need two guys to go on that Saturday against the Angels. But when you look at the Mariners rotation with Castillo now in the fold, the best version, according to you, is going to be what going forward? So I think that you would have your one through three be pretty set with Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert. I mean, if 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 this is a Mariners team that makes the playoffs and plays in that wild card round, those are the three guys you're running out there. So those those three guys, you don't really do anything with them. And then after that, Chris Flexen's been pretty good for you again, and especially of late. And we saw last year just just how he's just kind of a steady Eddie type guy and just goes out there and does his job, gives you a quality start. I don't think you do anything really with those four guys. It just comes down to Marco Gonzalez, who uh, has had some issues of late, and especially against some of those better lineups, those playoff caliber type lineups. And then George Kirby, the rookie, who they're really trying to monitor his innings. I think that, and it's something that Jerry Depoto told uh, told Mike Salk this morning that they're planning on doing is maybe piggybacking George Kirby with somebody. I think if you can use George Kirby and Marco Gonzalez on the same day and just kind of plan that out every fifth day to 
to have those guys get you somewhere between five and seven innings, I'm, that, that'd, be, that'd be a big boost, especially because if you're carrying all six of those starters, that means you have one less guy as a true bullpen type, especially if somebody like Marco or Kirby is in the bullpen but is on a scheduled run. So to me, that's probably the best, the best available option considering that they're trying to limit George Kirby's workload going forward. Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com joining us here on Extra Innings. And Brandon, Robbie Ray is the scheduled starter for Friday night for the Mariners. He takes on Patrick Sandoval of the Angels. Ray, his last two times out, has gotten beat around by the Astros. But you look at some of the numbers. I think it was Luke Arkins, a prospect insider, who tweeted out uh, the Astros' batting average against Ray's pitches and it is strikingly different than any other team. Do you think Ray may be tipping pitches? Do you think the Astros may be up to their old antics? What is it that you've seen from Ray his last two times out that he struggled so much against the Astros compared to that previous month and a half, really from the start of June all the way to the All-Star break? Well, I think they had a good idea of the the two-seam fastball because that, for him, was kind of a, a third pitch. He'd normally just been the four-seam slider type guy. Um, so that that was part of it. I think especially the, the second start more so than the first one, he just didn't really have that put-away put pitch. You had so many at-bats and, and plate appearances where guys were fouling off four, five, six different pitches. He couldn't get the fastball right where he wanted to. In order to avoid contact, he couldn't get the slider down out of the zone where he needed to. So I think it's just something where he was just a little too in and around the zone and maybe needed to expand it just a little bit more. But the Astros are a team that as aggressive as they are at the plate, they really just don't swing and miss a lot. So that's a tough matchup for somebody like Robbie Ray, who goes right after guys and with, with his two, three pitch mix and and tries to tries to get them to swing and miss and, and all that. So just a just a tough overall matchup for him. They're pretty right-handed heavy overall, except for the the two big thumpers with uh, with Tucker and obviously Jordan Alvarez, who is in MVP conversation. So uh, he just matches up a lot better than these other te- uh, against these other teams. But obviously, if the Mariners want to want to go where where they're trying to go, Robbie Ray's got to be able to figure a team like the Astros out going forward. Brandon, obviously, the big name moved at least in in the Mariner world over the deadline was Luis Castillo coming to Seattle. But there were some other names, Kirk Casale, Jake Lamb, Matt Boyd. Those three guys were added on deadline day right up to the very end of the deadline. Of those three, who do you think is going to have the most impact going forward the rest of the season? I think that the addition of uh, Kirk Casale is going to be a little bit bigger than people expect because effectively once he's healthy, he takes the roster spot of Luis Torrens, who just – just you know laying it out there has not been very good offensively and and defensively leaves a lot to be desired too so having him go out there and start a game or two a week uh it it just it just hasn't been good enough from that backup catcher spot and Gasali not a great hitter over his MLB career but is definitely a better overall track record than Luis Castillo has provided the Mariners this year also pretty good defensively so just you're kind of raising the floor in that spot and Curtis, one of the things that uh, that I pointed out on, on Twitter and whatnot after the signing was uh, Kirk Casale was with the Reds for three years. So that's somebody who knows Luis Castillo very, very well. And uh, with Luis Castillo right now, looks like he's kind of working right alongside Logan Gilbert in terms of the, the rotations timeline. Logan Gilbert's somebody who works really, really well with, with Cal Raleigh. Their roommates are really good friends. So if it's a situation where they can't run Cal Raleigh out there on back-to-back days for Gilbert and Castillo, you have a catcher there who knows Castillo 
maybe even better than Cal Raleigh knows Logan Gilbert. And that's just extremely, extremely valuable for this team for the second half of the year. When you look at what the Mariners did over the trade deadline, what what stood out to you as maybe the biggest surprise from what they didn't do? Were you more surprised that they didn't try to get a bat, or were you more surprised that the bullpen remains the same? Probably the bullpen, Curtis, because I think that they made it pretty clear early on that they felt like their offensive reinforcements were going to come from within, both in terms of uh, guys coming back from injury, Mitch Haniger, who might be back as soon as this weekend against the Angels. Kyle Lewis has been back for a little over a week now. Uh, so those two guys uh, were, were expected to come in and, and provide some more thump, but also just gradual improvements from guys with track records like Jesse Winker and Adam Frazier. And we've seen it with Frazier more so than Winker of late, but Winker's had his moments too. Um, the bullpen, it's just one of those things where I, I kind of expected them to add there because it's kind of the same thing with the rotation where overall they have been pretty healthy. They've had a few injuries here and there losing Casey Sadler before the year was a big blow. Diego Castillo and Ken Giles on the IL right now, but I, I thought that they would be a little more aggressive in trying to add at least just one kind of middle relief type arm just to kind of ease the load a little bit, not have to rely on rookies like, like Penn Murphy and Matt Brash. So that was a little surprising, but potentially Matt Boyd could, could fill that role. I think that's kind of what Depoto said for him was that if he's able to get healthy and, and participate, he might be a, a late, uh, a multi-inning guy from the left side. And that's something that right now they just don't really have much of. So uh, Boyd could fill that role, but overall, yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't go out and acquire a healthy reliever. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me here for just a short little while longer on extra innings. And, and Brandon, the big question, or one of the big questions, I think, heading into this Angel series is will we see Mitch Hanniger over the course of the four games? Uh, I would imagine if he does come back for the doubleheader, I don't see him playing both legs of the doubleheaders. They're still kind of trying to ramp up his workload here. But do you expect to see Hanniger back in the lineup at any point over the next four games? Yeah, I, th- I think Saturday would be would probably be a good landing spot for him. Maybe play that first game, uh, DH, and, and then they can kind of let Kyle Lewis and, and Carlos Santana handle that and maybe the right field spot for the second game. Um, sounds like he's on the right track. He's been playing a lot more outfield of late. He's, he's working deep into games. He's playing back-to-back games in the field. He's playing in the field, then DHing the next day. Uh, so I, I could see it being a situation where – uh, maybe tomorrow they, they kind of get the okay from Hanniger. That's one of the things that they've been pretty clear about. They're trying to kind of keep the ball in his court. It's a matter of just his timing at the plate, how comfortable he feels. If Hanniger gives them the green light tomorrow, he probably won't be in tomorrow's lineup. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Saturday, that doubleheader, that seems like a pretty pretty good spot for him to to make his return. So if it's this weekend, I, I think I think Saturday would be a good time for it. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Make sure you're following on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Reading his work at SeattleSports.com. Brandon, what do you guys have cooking up this weekend for a huge, huge weekend series against this Angels team? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow is is going to be worth watching a little bit before pregame. Ty France is expected back and just kind of hearing what what Scott and and, uh, and those guys all have to say, I'll be down at the stadium tomorrow afternoon writing a notebook about that. Robbie Ray getting his first start since those two Astros uh, rough patches that you and I mentioned. So uh, a lot of Mariners content. I know the Seahawks have a mock game on Saturday. We'll be uh, keeping a close eye on that as well. Really appreciate it, Brandon. Make sure you're reading all of his work at seattlesports.com. And Brandon, we'll, we'll talk again on extra innings. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. 
<laughs> hey, man, anytime. What did Jerry DePoto make of the Mariners' acquisition of Luis Castillo? Also, what does he expect from his team this weekend against the Angels? He joined our Mike Salk earlier today to discuss it all. You're going to hear that conversation next right here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. The payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. He blows it past him at 99 miles an hour. Luis Castillo throws it off the plate, and it doesn't matter. Carpenter goes chasing after it. It's the third strikeout in as many innings for Luis Castillo in his Mariners debut in New York. No easier question to lead off an interview with Jerry DePoto with his acquisition of Luis Castillo. What made the Mariners so interested in the Cincinnati right-handed pitcher? I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Extra Innings. Jerry DePoto joined our very own Mike Salk earlier today to answer that question, as well as how will the other deadline moves made by this team round out the roster as they look to compete in that American League wildcard race? We think he's one of the best pitchers in the league and, and has been for a while now. I think if if you look at, at pitching as disrupting the, the hitter's timing or just stuffing a major league hitter, you know, the I guess the three primaries are getting ground balls, you know, striking them out and keeping it in the ballpark. Those are the three things you do. And uh, this this I believe is, is accurate to to the day, but Luis Castillo since two thousand nineteen is the only pitcher in major league baseball to run a ground ball rate above 50%, uh, a home run rate of less than one per nine innings, and a strikeout rate of, of better than one per inning. And, you know, when you can combine those things, keep it on the ground, keep it in the park, and strike them out when your average velocity is 97, 98, and you've got all the weapons that he's got, he's in the prime of his career, and, and we thought this was the type of guy that, that – gives us the energy and, and really the push over these last two months and then into 2023 that, that really appealed to us. How many aces, real true aces, do you think exist in Major League Baseball today? You know, at any given time, I, I would say there's probably 10 or 12. Okay. It's a, and, and by aces, if you mean Sandy Koufax and Tom Seaver, not many. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> I there's don't. a reason why <laughs> those guys are Mount Rushmore. But uh I think there's always going to be something in the, the 10 to 12 range of guys who who really can walk out there and just slam the hammer down. And, you know, and we feel like in, in this time, Luis is one of those guys. And and he showed it in his debut at Yankee Stadium. That's a really tough lineup. And, you know, it's it's very hard, no matter what you've accomplished in the league, to go out and make your debut for a new team, uh, meeting your teammates for the first time, against one of the best teams in the league who, well, truly the best team in the league by wins and, and, uh, and, and to go handle it as calmly and, and easily as, as he did was a really encouraging thing. How much separation do you think there is between Castillo and some of the other pitchers that were on the market and moved here over the course of the last week? We, we thought it was considerable. And, you know, somebody, a friend of mine, actually gave me a line. And uh, I think this was an encouragement, a, a push in, was you can either pay for the thing you want or pay more for the thing you don't. <laughs> and uh, it's we opted for the thing we wanted. And, you know, Luis Castillo fit every criteria we were looking to achieve. And, and he's doing it right now. He's 29 years old. And minimally, we know he's got another year with the Mariners after this. And, 
And our hope is that, that he'll enjoy his stay in Seattle and, and choose to stay for a little longer. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Is he an extension candidate? For sure. Yeah, and I, I think that's – and that would be, you know, the the case where he traded to any of the other 28 teams, is my guess, is because you don't get very many opportunities to access pitchers like Luis Castillo and especially to access them when they're in their, their late 20s, early 30s. You know, as a, as a general rule – these, these types of pitchers are either extended much earlier in their career or they hit the free agent market and there is a bonanza on hand. So being able to access them via trade market on year-to-year contracts is, is you know, a very rare thing. And we felt like we had to take advantage. And, and hopefully now, like we have with some of our other starting pitchers in, in recent years, you know, stretch the contract out to, to make sure that we, we keep them in Seattle for as long as we can, there if must, it's possible. There must have been some relationship in getting this done, right? I mean, this is now the second big deal you've made uh, with the Reds over the course of the last, what, six months or so. H- how much relationship goes into something like that? You know, I think a lot. And uh, Nick Craw with the Reds did, did a great job with this one, and he was incredibly good to deal with throughout. And, and we got a... a so much chance to work with him really dating back. If I think about it, dating back to, you know, when we began our rebuild post 2018, when one of the most popular targets we had at the time was James Paxton. And one of the players that we cited as a possible fit for Pax was Luis Castillo. (laughs) So it's a, you know, we, we've been interested in Luis for many years and, and only now we're able to get him. But I, I do think it's easier when you trust, your counterpart and you know throughout this process like was the case i think with the big Nats padres trade you know it, it was established very early on what the return was going to look like and it, it it essentially boiled down to whether you wanted to to dive in or blink and you ran the risk if you opted not to and, and believe me we gave up less in this deal than was originally asked for <laughs> but you know we we did give up uh, a fair bit to bring Luis to to Seattle, and we understood in the 11th hour when we made that deal that were we not to push the button, he was going to wind up elsewhere. And, you know, we weren't willing to take that chance. It had to be a swallow-hard moment, right? I mean, you're giving up two or three of your real, you know, better prospects. What is that? How do you make that final decision? I'm sure you and Justin and the rest of the group is sort of looking at each other and saying, all right, are we willing to throw this guy also into the deal, whatever the case may be. What, what was that last moment like? Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is it really wasn't about the, the adding an extra guy. The, the adding an extra guy in this type of deal isn't the and – and I don't say this in a disparaging way because we loved all the players that we traded. And, you know, I, now I say that, and, you know, the pain in this particular deal was in adding the, the two frontliners in this deal, both mm-hmm. in the same deal. And, you know, that was the, that in a very early on, we had to make a determination as to whether we were willing to do that. And, you know, we, we tried for weeks to, <laughs> to narrow it down to just one of them and, and manage somebody else into that space. And, and we weren't able to do it. And, and ultimately, obviously we, we seeded and, and went that route, but the, the, the reality is that's why you build a farm system and that's why you build depth. And that's why you extend contracts to major league level. And right now, you know, as, as the season's gone along, we have the second youngest team in baseball. Contrary to popular belief, we did not just empty our farm system to, to 
pay for this team today. You know, we have a very young team. We still have what we believe is a strong farm system, albeit obviously not as strong as it was when the season began uh, for obvious reasons. We did just go through a new draft where we had an influx of more talent, and we are now in a position to control our own destiny to go to the postseason with a team that is largely under control moving forward. So all of those things really factored in. So we felt like our contention window is open, and we would be irresponsible if we didn't walk through it if the opportunity exists. You say that with the with the window being open and, and totally agree, obviously. Is there a difference between the deadline when you are in the wild card spot but 12 games back of the division leader versus being in a spot that Houston or New York is in 10 or 12 games up in the division? Do you handle the deadline a little bit differently? I think you do, and you know, I, I, but I can't say that you certainly do because we feel that the you know first the extra wild card position really does change the dynamic a little bit. Um, in this particular instance, the the thing that we thought was super attractive and that was necessary for us to to make a move like we did with Luis was it, 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 he exists with us moving forward. He's not just here for the final two months and, and whatever part of the postseason uh, we're fortunate enough to play in. He's here for, for the next year and two months. And, and as I said, hopefully more than that. What the, the big issue for us was not wanting to pour out real future value to buy what you would call rental players. You know, that, that is not what we were looking to do. We didn't want to pick up you know, m- much in the way of, of pending free agents and spend real prospect, uh, I guess, hit our prospect system mm-hmm. uh, any harder than we already did if that player was not you know, going to be here with us at least for another year. Were you close on anything else that didn't get done? Yeah, you know, we were involved in things for weeks and, and really right up and truly until the bell rang, we were still involved in some interesting things. And, and that's always the case. You know, we always have something going on. And, and uh, you know, Justin and our analysts, our scouting crew who are all in Seattle, did a phenomenal job of juggling a ton of balls through the, the course of this, this last 72 hours, especially. And, and we were able as a result to be involved, even dating back to yesterday morning. And so we, we had a chance to get involved in some really fun, big deals where we would have played smaller parts, but it didn't make sense for where we were. And, and frankly, we were you know quite happy with the way things shook out for us as it were. You can download Jerry Depoto's full conversation with Mike Sulk at seattlesports.com or download the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're there too. Make sure you're downloading extra innings wherever it is you go throughout your week. And if you miss any of tonight's show, that's how you're going to be able to catch up on all two hours of Mariners coverage here tonight. When we return on this episode of Extra Innings, Ryan Roland-Smith, he sat down with Bump and Stacy earlier today to talk about Luis Castillo and just how incredible of an addition this will be to this Mariners rotation as well as how big of a lift that series win against the Yankees will give this team heading into the weekend against the Angels. More to come on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we've got Trent Rush of Valley Sports West and the Angels Radio Network. He does pre- and post-game coverage for the Angels. He'll give us a series preview from the Anaheim 
or from the L.A. side of things, I should say. That's coming your way at 8 o'clock. Also in the second hour, we'll hear Jeff Passan's conversation with Mike Salk, also a Cincinnati Reds reporter. See Trent Rosecrans, who covers the team for The Athletic. He joined Bob and Stacy earlier this week to talk about Luis Castillo, just what to expect from him going forward. But right now, we'll take a listen to the conversation Ryan Roland-Smith had with Bump and Stacy earlier today, talking about the importance of that series victory win against the New York Yankees, and also what does he expect from Castillo in a Mariners uniform coming off of his sparkling debut. Let's take a listen now. Your reaction to that series win? Oh, that's massive. I, I mean, I spoke to Curtis about this on a Curtis Rogers about this on a post game the other day. I see if they can if they can get three. I know it's not setting a bar low, but this is a three on this road trip in Houston and in uh, New York. Then you know what you can walk out of that. Now you've got a weaker schedule coming up. You know with the Angels in town uh, on Friday and and a couple. You know the A's coming up. Obviously you got the Yankees here at home. But if you can get three, you know what you can get there unscathed, get healthy. They're going to have a good run in in the month of August. But uh, there's the biggest thing I liked about. This this um, the series in New York. First of all, you know this, that second game just just clawing their way back and, and, and getting that win. But yesterday, obviously, Luis Castillo on the mound. There was just, and this is a, from a team standpoint, when you have someone like that showing up in a big trade, it's 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 on the world stage, and he shows up. All of a sudden, there's a different presence with this Mariners team. It's not this situation where, oh, you know, they've struggled for years. They haven't made the playoffs for twenty years, and and here they are, and, and they're, they're doing their best. No, 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 there's a different type of presence. So when you saw some of those swings yesterday from those Yankees hitters, they felt it too. That was the best part of yesterday, in my opinion. Ryan, in football, you know, there's 17 games, so each game is kind of isolated into like a big situation. And when you win a game, you can say that, that's a statement game. Would this be a statement yep. series against the Yankees? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And again, I'm not sitting here. I've been watching that Jeter documentary, so I'm not sitting here just getting obsessed with the Yankees and, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and everything to do with how amazing they are and all this kind of stuff. And, but that is a, it is a big stage. I don't care what you say. The, the, the stage you're on, you've got Garrett Cole you know, on a Wednesday day game, the getaway day. He's, you know, he's obviously a tough opponent. Uh, what, 160-something strikeouts this year already. So you know you got him in the last game of the year, uh, and and all of a sudden, you know Luis Castillo shows up. You know it could have been a situation where he's trying to get his feet wet or trying to get used to, you know, working with Cal Raleigh or whatever, whatever it may be. But then you, then all of a sudden you get that lead in that first inning. You put up just an absolute huge crooked number in that first inning against Garrett Cole. You got Jared Kelnick even joining the party as well. You got some. You know, Carlos Santana hitting that ball, just crushed it, standing there watching it. That's a statement to me, I think. And then all of a sudden, the bottom of the first inning, you see, I guess who you got now, Luis Castillo, you know, jumping in and just absolutely filthy, just getting emergency hacks all day long. That In that situation, and going back to my point here with the Yankees, compared to any other team, regardless of where they are, obviously I know they're you know, one of the best teams in baseball and offensive juggernaut and everything else. But regardless of all that, that, to me, that's that's that national stage. That's where everyone sort of opens their eyes and says, wow, all right, you know, this is a big statement from the Mariners. So that was huge. I think, you know, taking two or three massive, the Yankees come into town, hopefully you can do some do some work here in, on, on your home park. It's going to be packed. It's just, it's a good, good time right now to be, 
part of this Mariners organization, that is for sure. Um, speaking of, the great thing the Mariners did at the deadline is obviously get Castillo, and we had nothing but praise for that. It was an amazing move, one that surprised me in its aggressiveness, but I was so pleasantly surprised. Maybe we should not have been surprised that they didn't end up getting a bat. They gave up so many prospects for that, uh, or for Castillo in that trade, that um, that there wasn't a lot to offer for any big impact bat um, mm-hmm. without completely depleting the farm system. They had a couple backup guys, but it's clear, Ryan, that they're just depending on guys to come back and get healthy, right? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got, what, Mitch Hanniger in, in a matter of days. He could show up on this this weekend series, which, again, I know, look, uh, everyone gets sick of hearing about, oh, well, Mitch Hanniger, that's your trade acquisition. I'm not trying to say that, but I think here's, here's the deal with that. First of all, going back to the Luis Castillo trade, when you saw that happen, the, the, the downside of that is like, okay, You've literally just given up every trade chip you could have to get you something of impact. Now, all of a sudden, you look at that and say, okay, the most they're going to get now is you know, some, maybe some backup guys or, or some, some guys just to sort of you know, fill, fill, the, fill the void of certain areas, you know, i.e. The, the backup catcher. So you can look at it that way. But when you go back, I say this all the time, the Mariners played their best during this 14-game streak where everyone was talking about everything was clicking. Well, the backbone of that everything clicking team was obviously the pitching. The offense was good. It wasn't great. The offense was good. But that's just the way it goes with any team you have. That's just simply the way it goes. So the fact that they went all out, Luis Castillo, I love it. That's, what you, that's why you build your farm system up. We've talked about that to the cows come home this, this last week. That's great. Love it. You look at that and say, okay, are they going to get an impact? Well, impact that. The competition is tough because – there is more wild card spots. More teams are going, are doing those, making those kind of moves. So then you say, okay, we have the pitching, we have, you know, the, the bullpen is, has been outstanding, and they're starting to, to to gather themselves a little bit more. The offense, sure enough, as we saw yesterday, you're going to see these six spots in the first inning. You're going to get see some zeros. But again, when you ride this wave and you have this weaker schedule, you have some pitching staff that you can handle coming up against the Angels, against the A's, etc. All of a sudden, you will start to see those strings of games. You're going to see the you know, three straight wins a loss, three straight wins, and I'm, t- I'm totally down with that. The fact that you can get in, put it this way, if you're going to, to prioritize offense or pitching with this team, prioritize pitching, they did that, and they can, they can, they can ride it out. And the other part of this is to they're back in this mode where all of a sudden they're in these one-run battles all the time again. I remember, everyone said at the end of 2021, oh, they got lucky with these one-run games. You can't repeat that. Guess what? They're repeating it again, 2022. These are going to be some tight games coming up, but when you have that kind of pitching, man, you, you, it, it, good things are going to happen. They're going to, they're going to put, you know, put some wins together, and, and, man, they look like they're in the prime position, not just to get to the playoffs. I think the conversation's changed to, where are they going to get to? How deep are they going to get into these playoffs now, which is exciting? Ryan, I saw um, Castillo's pitch count get to 109 last night. I was kind of concerned. I'm like, what are they doing, man? Take him out. But uh, apparently <laughs> in Cincinnati, he reached 124 pitches. Is this something we're going to see with Castillo? You think service kind of continues that trend of pushing him as deep into the game as he can? Yeah, well, I think you know, everyone uh, individually – Coming in, having those conversations, uh, you know, Pete Woodworth you know, comes in, let's say it's the fourth, fifth, then he ha- you know, has everything going, uh, this, that, bat, blah, blah, blah. It could just be those simple conversations. So the, when you read certain guys, everyone's built differently. 
And I'm not saying some guys, oh, they can only throw 85 and then they start to you know, get winded and all of a sudden they're done. But you can read everyone a little bit differently. Luis Castillo, this is not his first rodeo, man. He's been around for a long time. You mentioned those pitch counts. Those pitch counts have gotten into those you know, 100, 110 ranges a ton. And one of the reasons why is because when you watched him pitch yesterday, you have the, those bad innings, the second, third, fourth, where he's just mowing. He's just in a situation where he doesn't have to throw that that nasty secondary pitch three times in that bat, which you know, which costs you a situation to get to 100 pitches. I've been in these situations before, even, and look, my stuff is nowhere near Luis Castillo's, but there's been situations where you have these at-bats where you only have to sort of, you know, you know have that, you know, the exhaustion go one, two, three hitters in the first three innings. So you can just roll through, you get 100 plus, and you're like, man, I'm good. Not saying you haven't barely broken a sweat, but you feel different uh, in that sixth inning when you're approaching 100 pitches as opposed to, you know, Justin Dunn. We watch this a lot with Justin Dunn. I know I'm going back to last year a lot. But Justin Dunn, they asked him to throw way more breaking balls last year. Him hitting 90 to 100 pitches was exhausting for him because he's in these situations, not long at bats, but he's in these situations where he has to go to that breaking ball second, third, fourth pitch of the about a ton. When you watch Luis Castillo, it was just with ease. He was getting to these, these good counts. So then all of a sudden you can read and Scott Service can say, look, he's comfortable to go 100, 110. So you'll see. There'll, there'll be, look, there'll be games where he'll go 90, 95 because of certain at-bats early in the game. But plenty of times, and you've seen this over, over the course of his career already, he can get deeper in the game. Some guys are just built that way. And make sure you're downloading the podcast. If you missed any of Hour 1, seattlesports.com is the place to be. Every hour of every show is going to be right there at the point of a finger or the click of a mouse. When we return, Trent Rush of Bally Sports West and the Angels Radio Network, he's going to join me to help preview this upcoming weekend series against the Angels some bad blood between these two teams. Do we got bad blood between myself and Trent? Well, you're just going to have to take a listen and find out when we return right here on Extra Innings on the Mariners Radio Network.